0: Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cybersecurity issues. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Information and communications technology supply chains have recently come to the forefront as major sources of cyber risk at federal agencies. Lisa Barr, who leads cybersecurity supply chain efforts at CISA, has worked really hard over the last few years to help federal leaders brainstorm smart policies and strategies to secure federal IT supply chains. Most recently, LISA helped stand up the Federal Acquisition Security Council, which organizes supply chain security efforts and will help standardize IT supply chain risk management. Today, Lisa is going to talk about why she was really happy when the council released its interim final rule in September 2020, and what she thinks are the two biggest challenges with IT supply chain risk management. Lisa, welcome to CyberCast. Thank you, Kate. I'm excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. To start our conversation off today, I would love for you to discuss why the Secure Technology Act is so important for securing ICT supply chains. Sure. Thank you.
1: You know, I think that you and your listeners know how much information communications technology and services are essential to the proper functioning of the U.S. government. You know, historically, the the U.S. government and federal systems efforts to evaluate threats and vulnerabilities to ICT supply chains have often been undertaken in individual or small groups of agencies to address sort of specific one-off type things. I think that we see generally that based on the scale of supply chain risks that the government is facing, that those sort of one-off individual pieces aren't necessarily the best way to approach these challenges. And with the release of the Secure Technology Act in 2018, Congress had agreed that that was not the best approach. And with that release, you know, the intent was to improve executive branch coordination, supply chain information sharing, and any actions that would be needed to address supply chain risks. You know, one of the most important parts of that act that I think and that I'm probably most interested in was within that act, they had the Federal Acquisition Supply Chain Security Act of 2018. And that really established the Federal Acquisition Security Council, which is the work that I've been doing over the past year or so. And that council is an executive branch in our agency council that's chaired by a senior level official from the Office of Management and Budget. And really for the past year, I was detailed there to OMB as a senior advisor directly supporting the council's chairperson, Grant Schneider at the time, to establish the structure around the Federal Acquisition Security Council and really... Kind of spearhead and advance federal acquisition supply chain security and risk management enterprise wide. You know, one thing I did want to highlight is that one of the requirements within that technology, within the Secure Technology Act, was not only to establish the council, which is in a very important interagency body, but also it required a release of a rule, an interim final rule, which essentially lays out the operations of the Federal Acquisition Security Council and what the expectations are publicly. For how enterprise wide we're going to be thinking about supply chain risks and making recommendations for removal and exclusion of those covered articles that pose a significant risk to the federal enterprise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can you dive into some of the work that you've been doing with the Federal Acquisition Council? Uh, sure. So in the past year, let's see, under the Federal Acquisition
1: Security Council, there were some significant milestones. You know, really what we needed to do first was ensure that the governance and the structure was in place, that the council was meeting on a regular basis, that there was continuity um, across the government and the member agencies to really kind of participate and advance key areas. So there was a strategic plan that was delivered to Congress, there was a charter that was delivered to Congress, but most importantly was that release of the interim final rule in September of 2020. And that really is probably the most significant document because it allows the Federal Acquisition Security Council to start to evaluate risk to the federal enterprise. And without having that rule publicly in place, the council really wasn't able to move forward.
0: Gotcha. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how federal agencies can start addressing ICT supply chain risk and meeting supply chain risk management requirements. Do federal agencies need to create new offices or hire new personnel to address these risks and requirements? Or is re-educating and upskilling existing workforce enough? Like, what's the ideal strategy here?
1: That's a really good question. And I think if you ask other federal departments and agencies, they would probably be curious about the same things. You know, one of the advantages, I think, that the Secure Technology Act provides, the Federal Acquisition Supply Chain Security Act provides, That really the administration wanted to be able to show was that federal agencies are provided with a lot of flexibility in determining how to meet supply chain risk management requirements. That flexibility, of course, can have really positive results for federal agencies and at the same time it can create challenges for others. On the positive side, agencies, you know, have, because of agencies' very diverse functions and missions, they have the flexibility to apply resources to meet their supply chain requirements based on their mission and their resources. Um, But one of the challenges is, of course, is that when there is ambiguity or unclear direction, then sometimes no action is taken. Instead, agencies will wait for more clear direction uh, to be provided. And that can lead to, you know, more challenges when it comes to addressing supply chain risks. Much as we have for several years in the federal government recognized that acquisition professionals need to better understand cybersecurity, we're also pushing now for better understanding of supply chain risks in the acquisition of hardware, software, and services. And that is creating more pressure, I would say, on the acquisition professional community. One of the areas I think that we could have improved value is bringing together more of cybersecurity professionals and supply chain management experts with the acquisition community to try and come up with areas that would be helpful for them when thinking about acquiring hardware, software, and services for the enterprise.
0: What would you say... Are some of the best examples of best practices and procedures for securing ICT supply chains at federal agencies? That is a great question. You know, in FY
1: 2019, there was an Inspector General report that came out on FISMA, and it said that 44% of agencies, roughly, and 54% of what we call CFO Act agencies, reported that their risk management programs were at sort of a first or second level of maturity, and, and sort of you know, one being the lowest, five being the highest, if you will. CISA also conducted some listening sessions in the early part of 2020 with federal agencies to better understand where there are proven practices in securing ICT supply chains. Even in those discussions, we found there's maybe a handful of agencies that have established SCRIM programs that have clear processes, that are conducting risk management, that they have a focus on procurement actions that they could take to reduce risk of supply chain, that have sort of a governance structure in place. Now, and NIST is also putting out, or getting ready to release, a special publication eight hundred one sixty one, I believe, that provides departments and agencies with templates and examples of things that they could implement that would help with establishing the supply chain programs. So, while not calling out specific agencies or calling out specific proven practices, I think that when you start to look at the things that we're seeing, you're seeing that those agencies that have invested time and resources in creating the governance structures that have invested in developing supply chain risk management programs. They're further along in their initiatives and efforts. And what one of the things that CISA is going to, that we want to do with NIST and with OMB is to start doing some information exchanges to better advance the initiatives and efforts of those more mature agencies with those agencies that may be uh, struggling a little bit further behind.
0: Gotcha. Are you able to name who some of the federal agencies who are doing really well in this area are?
1: I'd prefer not to call out any specific agency. No problem. You know, certainly in the current environment, you know, the last thing I'd want to do is say, this agency is doing really great. And then, you know, have them come up in the, in the news media for not having
0: done really great. <laughs> totally, totally understand. So information sharing, especially about security issues, seems to be a constant challenge across the .gov landscape and federal agencies. The OMB interim final rule released in September lists CISA as the official FASC information sharing agency. Can you describe how you want to see CISA take on this role going forward?
1: I obviously was really happy when we released the interim final rule in September of 2020. It was such a pivotal milestone. And and I realize that readers or listeners might think, oh, you put out a rule. Great. But at the same time, This rule really, it provided the information publicly so that not only the federal government agencies, but the private sector and non-federal entities would better understand how the Federal Acquisition Security Council is going to operate. Within that interim final rule, it also identifies the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency as the Council's information-sharing executive agency or information-sharing agency. You know, the ability for CISA to be able to serve in that role on behalf of the Federal Acquisition Security Council is critical, I think, to both CISA's role as the nation's risk advisor as well as uh, the ability to share relevant risk information that the FASC would like share, not only with federal agencies, but with non-federal agencies. So this means that CISA can conduct information sharing functions on behalf of the FASC, as well as serve as the administrative support arm for an interagency task force that the FASC established as well in 2020. That task force, which is comprised of the council's member agencies, is in the process of defining more detailed processes for information sharing, risk analysis, and risk assessment. But CISA's role as administering or supporting that interagency task force, as well as being the FASC's information sharing agency, will be pivotal to helping departments and agencies address supply chain risk management.
0: Absolutely. So the interim final rule mentions a mandatory information submission requirements for federal agencies regarding ICT supply chain risk. Can you provide some examples of what kind of mandatory information you're expecting agencies to submit? And what are some examples of voluntary information submissions? Sure. This is a longer, uh, probably
1: a longer conversation or a longer response maybe than other ones that I provided so far. You know, with so currently the Federal Acquisition Security Council is really in the process of defining the processes and the criteria for mandatory and voluntary information submissions to the council. Having said that, the interim final rule lays out the information that is needed for a referral and the risk information that may accompany an information submission to the council. So in the interim final rule, it states that the council may commence an evaluation of one or more sources or covered articles when the referral is submitted to the council. And the referral can be submitted by a FASC member agency, it can be referred by a federal agency or a non-federal entity. But it lays out clearly what some of the elements are that are needed in the referral, including the functionality of a covered article, the security, authenticity, and integrity of the covered article, the ability of the source to produce and deliver the covered article, what some might call supply chain assurance, ownership of, control of, foreign influence, implications to national security, homeland security, critical functions. And I won't go through all of them, but it clearly does lay out both the criteria that is needed in order to make a referral. And then it goes further and says, you know, mandatory information submission requirements that executive agencies must expeditiously submit supply chain risk information to the FASC when the council either requests it or an executive agency has determined that there's a reasonable basis to conclude that a supply chain risk is associated with a source or covered article. So, what that means then is that there is risk information that is listed in the interim final rule that the council would anticipate and that. CISA as the information sharing agency for the FASC would anticipate coming to them that would go to the FASC on a referral. And some of that risk information includes you know, information around, again, functionality of the covered article, the vulnerability of federal systems, potential impact or harm caused by the potential loss or compromise of a product, uh, material, or service, the likelihood of potential impact or harm, the capacity to mitigate risks if known. So there's a lot of elements within the interim final rule that states here is everything that you can provide. And even with these things, you can provide more. But think of these things when you're thinking of a referral to the Federal Acquisition Security Council. Gotcha. That makes sense.
0: What do you think are some of the greatest risks posed to ICT supply chains today and which federal agencies, if you're able to answer this, (laughs) are facing the greatest risks to their ICT supply chains?
1: Another great question, and certainly timely, given what's occurring right now within the federal enterprise. There continues to be a lack of visibility and awareness into the software and hardware supply chains of the federal enterprise. We're just seeing that play out. I think what I would highlight here, though, is that in December, you know, CISA released a report under their ICT supply chain risk management task force, Summarizes the progress made both by the task force as well as the partners that are the federal agencies that are partners within that task force on how to advance meaningful partnerships and conducting analysis around supply chain security and resilience. That report details a lot of the work of the task force task force working groups to address challenges in information sharing and threat analysis and qualified bidder manufacturing lists and vendor assurance and impacts you know even from COVID nineteen. This report, which is on the CISA.gov website, really, I think, both cover some of the things that are the greatest risk to the supply chain. It's not going to call out necessarily which federal agencies are at the greatest risk, and I wouldn't want to call out those agencies either. You know, but I think the questions that we always have to ask ourselves is, what is the impact of a disruption? What's the impact to the federal government systems? What is the impact to the American people? And we need to start thinking more and more about that as we are looking at our supply chains and what we are acquiring for our federal enterprise.
0: So shifting gears a little bit, can you dive into what the Federal Acquisition Security Council's priorities are for 2021? There's really two that I think are the most important. One
1: is conducting the risk analysis and the assessments to determine whether the FASC should issue a recommendation for removal and exclusion order to the three agency heads that are outlined within the Secure Technology Act, as well as within the interim final rule, which is the Secretary of Homeland Security, the Secretary of Defense, and the Director of National Intelligence. Then the other most important piece I would say is that providing relevant supply chain risk information to federal and non-federal entities so that they can be making decisions about their own supply chain risks.
0: Sounds like information sharing is a really big driver of supply chain risk management, right? Right. Right. So the council will work with the GSA to incorporate supply chain risk management requirements into government contracts. Can you talk about what the GSA discussions and collaboration have been like and where you see those discussions going in 2021? So the General Services Administration is a
1: member of the Federal Acquisition Security Council, and they have been really a truly collaborative Partner and member of that council. They are often, you know, they're always willing to step up, always willing to help out. And the engagement that we have with them, both during the time that I served and supported the, the chairperson of the council, and even today, now that I'm back at CISA, you know, they are such a strong partner when it comes to identifying and piloting opportunities for contract and acquisition solutions that will really help meet federal supply chain capability gaps and needs. So I'm really looking forward to the work that we're doing with them. Both CISA and GSA are doing together, as well as what GSA will be bringing to the Federal Acquisition Security Council in twenty one.
0: So, going back to supply chain risk management, a little bit: are there any certain like types of technologies or security approaches or techniques that you think are especially well suited for managing supply chain security? It's a good question.
1: You know, I. I don't necessarily want to call out a specific technology or capability or appear in any way to, you know, convey favoritism towards any particular vendor technology or capability. I think that NIST has put out some really good supply chain risk management guidance in their 800-161, as well as some of their what they call NISTERs. And I would encourage federal departments and agencies to go back to those elements, as well as what CISA is putting out on their CISA.gov around ICT SCRIM.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally understand. When it comes to ICT, supply chain risk management, there are kind of two sets of concerns, right? I mean, there is software supply chain risk concerns, and then there is hardware, and then there's you know how software affects hardware. How do you at the Federal Acquisition Security Council think about that? And as a part of CISA, how are you guys kind of thinking about the differences between the two and how they're intertwined and how federal agencies should be approaching these different types of risks?
1: So under the interim final rule, as well as the Federal Acquisition Supply Chain Security Act, the scope of supply chain risk is focused on covered articles and covered articles on ICT can be, it's pretty far reaching. It can be software, it can be services, it can be embedded technology, it can be hardware. And the council can look at any one of those elements. But the key to this is getting back to the supply chain risk to the federal enterprise and government-wide, what are those risks? And that is the process of, and the FASC would be looking at, you know, what are those risks government-wide? And is there a need to recommend a potential exclusion order or potential removal from the federal enterprise. And those elements of risk get back to, you know, what is the covered article? How was it used? All of those things. So I don't, you know, it can be they, I guess what I'm trying to get to is that it can be interrelated software, hardware services. It can be really kind of across the board, any of those elements, as long as there is the understanding of what are the implications government-wide.
0: So we have time for, I think, one more question. And this one is about a national cyber director. So the year-end National Defense Authorization Act provides for a national cyber director, which I believe President-elect Joe Biden will be appointing. How do you think a national cyber director could help kind of spearhead and come alongside the Federal Acquisition Security Council and CISA to spearhead these supply chain risk management efforts and addressing ICT supply chain risk?
1: For that, I think that I might say that, you know, we're looking forward to having a national cybersecurity director and the National Cybersecurity Directorate uh, within the administration. And CISA is looking forward to the collaborative relationship and working with that cyber director on You know, various cybersecurity initiatives, including the supply chain.
0: Awesome. So I think that's all the time that we have for today, because we've only got a couple minutes before you have to go. But thank you so much for coming on CyberCast today, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Kate, thank you so much
1: for having me and inviting me. I'm glad that we could have this conversation. And I look forward to talking with you
0: in the future. Awesome. Lisa's work at CISA and the Federal Acquisition Security Council is helping federal agencies take ownership of their IT supply chain security. The government-wide SolarWinds breach revealed how far behind federal agencies are with their supply chain risk management. Like Lisa said, awareness and visibility are absolutely essential. To learn more about CISA's efforts to secure federal supply chains, go to cisa.gov/supply- Chain. To hear more about what's happening in the constantly evolving world of federal cybersecurity, subscribe to CyberCast and stay up to date on the latest cyber trends and insight. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. CyberCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.